This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Time now for our weekly tech segment at the taking a look at the stories making news in the tech uh, sector that you may have missed over the last few days. Roger Chang is the executive editor at CNET and he joins us on the phone. Roger, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Uh, today being Cyber Monday, I just kind of ran through the numbers and it looks like uh, that it is going to be a very successful day here on Cyber Monday. Yeah, that's right. I think Adobe estimates that Cyber this, today will mark the biggest online sales day ever. Uh, really topping last year's Cyber Monday, which was uh, you know, the, the original record holder. And Black Friday actually was the second largest online sales day ever. So it's shaping up to be a big year for deals and shoppers. So how much impact do you think now Cyber Monday is having to a degree over Black Friday? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of uh, – they kind of work in uh, – just complement each other a little bit. I think at this point, you know, I was talking with our, our, our deals experts and – Basically, a lot of the deals that you're seeing today on Cyber Monday are identical to Black Friday. Almost 90 to 95 percent of the deals are the same. So really, Cyber Monday offers sort of a second chance to to nab those deals. If you're hesitating, or if you're just, you know, if you didn't want to go shopping on Black Friday, Cyber Monday offers that that kind of second chance, that second opportunity to to nab those gifts for Christmas and the holiday season. So, did you talk to those uh, those deals guys about maybe who has the best set of deals out there right now? Yeah, some of the best deals are still the ones we were seeing uh, over the weekend, where were you know Samsung televisions, and there were a ton of Nintendo Switch deals. Um, you know, a lot of Apple gear, the lower the lower end iPads and the AirPods seem to be a big hit. Um, so those are some of the deals you can get a really comprehensive list of all the deals. Uh, over at cnet.com, though. You recently also touched on the world of 5G and, and President Trump and that maybe he doesn't have a full grasp on what actually 5G is and what the rollout would would actually entail. Yeah, this is based off of a tweet he sent out, uh, you know, after he visited that plant, uh, the Apple plant in, uh, well, not the Apple plant, but one of the, one of the plants that makes Apple gear, uh, in Austin, you know, he tweeted that he asked Tim Cook if he can get Apple involved in, in building 5G in the U.S., which uh, doesn't exactly make sense since uh, Apple doesn't make the, the 5G infrastructure uh, that, that's necessary to get the, the networks up there. And really, a lot of the other phone companies have been pushing 5G. Apple doesn't have a, a 5G iPhone this year, uh, despite what, if, even if you see a 5G e indicator on your phone that's not real 5G. Um, they're they're expected to launch 5G next year, so they're actually a little bit behind the curve when it comes to this stuff. So, uh, just overall, it, it just I felt like uh, I, I needed to sort of point out some of the realities of what 5G looks like and what the rollout looks like, and how Apple may or may not play a part in that. So, who should he be talking to then? <laughs> uh, well, part of the issue, you know, Donald, President Trump talks a lot about you know getting U.S. companies to to kind of push forward and. Uh, really, it would be talking to some of the U.S. carriers, right, like Verizon and T-Mobile and AT&T. Um, but in terms of the actual equipment, um, a lot of the companies that make the equipment for 5G uh, are foreign-based. So, you know, he talks a lot about U.S.-based businesses, so it, it doesn't really work with that storyline. Um, in terms of discussions, like I said, the U.S. carriers and then Qualcomm, uh, one of the biggest uh, 5G chip makers. Yeah. They're based in San Diego. Well, and, and for Apple specifically, 
uh, they are so profitable with the devices, it, it really doesn't make sense for them to want to get into the infrastructure part of this, I would think. That's exactly it. I mean, the infrastructure business has been brutal. You've seen just consolidation in the industry with each player cobbling each other up because just by themselves, it was it, they just couldn't stand alone. The profit margins are very slim. Competition is fierce. So Apple enjoys a really nice position right now. They have a, a growing services business, and then their iPhone is still immensely profitable. And so I don't think they really want to you know, veer out of that lane and kind of go into this area that really doesn't have a huge amount of profit to be had. All right, I, I've been I've been pubbing Google Stadia now for the first hour of the show. I, I am not a gamer, so you're going to have to fill me in on what Google Stadia is. Well, Google Stadia is uh, it basically promises a lot. The, the idea here is that you know with a subscription fee, though eventually this will be free, you'll be, you'll be able to play the kind of high end video games you normally play on an Xbox or PlayStation. On basically any device, and, and uh, the idea is that a lot of the processing work is done somewhere else. And basically, if you have a fast enough connection, you know your Chromecast via your TV, uh, your your laptop, your phone, any of these devices will eventually be able to play these kinds of triple A video game titles. Um, so that's a promise. Uh, it launched uh, last week and, or two weeks ago, and. You know, it was a little bumpy. If you don't have a good connection, the 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 service can be a little stuttery. There are there aren't a huge amount of games available, and a lot of the games that are available are older titles that most hardcore gamers have probably already played. Um, but it definitely shows sort of where they're planting a flag at this point, and it shows where Google wants to get to in terms of video game access and the, the sort of dream that you'll be able to be on your train on the phone and playing the same game that you were playing at home. Uh, it's an attractive one. It's just we're not quite there yet. Yeah, but I, I don't know if you're if you're going to have the same feel. Well, and I think most people who play games do uh, understand this. You're not going to have the same feel of trying to play a game on your iPhone as you would on your TV or your or even your home computer. That's for sure. But I think the idea is um, that it, it's possible that you can hand off the experience from your TV to your laptop to your phone. If you wanted to, and to to address that issue, they they do have sort of this clip-on attachment. You've got a controller that you can plug your phone into, and so the controller can kind of mimic the controls, and then so um, you can sort of get that experience on your phone. It's not perfect, but again, it's it's sort of the broader idea that you can take the experience anywhere you want. But I, I saw you also, you guys also mentioned the fact that if you're part of Google Stadia, it doesn't lock you in to have the games. As part of this, the games still continue to be uh, yeah. the the additional part to it. So you're buying one thing, and then you're going to have to buy another. Yeah, absolutely. And this is uh, I think this is the early criticism it's gotten is that uh, one the games aren't even discounted. A lot of these are full price games for for titles that are generally older that you could probably get at a discount elsewhere. Um, and look, this is for this is early days for the service. I think anyone who's trying out Stadia now knows that they're probably a guinea pig for this experiment. This, this, this isn't going to get polished enough for regular people for maybe a couple of years as, you know, as we kind of await a more reliable connection everywhere. Right? So, so they do believe that this is kind of, even though it is out there on the market, this is kind of a first, maybe second step in, in a process of what, maybe 10 or 15 steps. Absolutely. I think for anyone going in right now, you have to be aware that this is an experiment. It's not going to work all the time. Uh, and there are some issues, like if you're paying for the service, you still have to pay for the games. 
Um, hopefully, some of that gets remedied over time. I know that Google's talked about offering this service as a free service down the line, um, but we're not quite there yet. We're joined uh, by Roger Chang, executive editor at CNET, uh, talking about the stories in the tech world that you may have missed over uh, the last couple of days. Uh, Google back being reviewed by EU regulators. For what this time? Yeah, I mean, it seems like Google can't stay out of trouble. Um, This is the report out of Reuters that EU is looking at uh, collecting some more data, in particular focusing on local search services, online advertising, uh, and web browsers, and this is a little bit different from their the you know the EU's claims of abusive online ad, ad practices, which resulted in a 1.7 billion dollar fine, a record still. Um, this is the Google is still or the EU is still looking at um, some of these practices to see if there are other instances where it is abusing its its power. But this continues to be an area which seemingly bumps in to GDPR in the, in the world of regulation. And again, this is something I think we've talked about a lot on this channel, is whether or not we're going to see some level of, of what GDPR is here in the United States down the road. I think that's a great question. And uh, it, it, does, it seems pretty clear that regulators want to draft some version of GDPR here in the U.S. What that's going to look like is a little bit debatable. Uh, you've seen the tech companies essentially concede the fact that you know, some sort of regulation needs to happen. But if you've noticed that, you know, they've been, they've been more than willing to, you know, offer their help and guidance when it comes to those regulations. So we'll see if they have the same kind of teeth as GDPR. Uh, it's important to note that, you know, out in California, there's already a privacy bill sort of going through the system right now. And that's one that could theoretically uh, have ripple effects across the country. Because if, you know, these companies that are based in California have to honor that California regulation, they essentially have to honor it. I, I guess to a degree, then, w- when we hear another instance of Google having to deal with European regulators, I'm thinking to myself, okay, wait a minute. They've now been hit a couple of times with fines over the last couple of years. And, and I- I'm surprised that we are still seeing this. And you would think that the EU regulators would, would kind of put this all, kind of wrap it into one package and be done with Google. But this is kind of an ongoing process of year by year at this point. It is. And it's not the only one. I mean, they are, they're also looking at some of the practices with Android as well, because Google has its is fairly influential and powerful in so many different areas. I think that's why you're seeing this kind of piecemeal look at Google and its influence in these different areas. Because some of it isn't necessarily correlated to the previous investigations. What's been the reaction to Google to this to this latest investigation? Uh, well, this one is right now. It's just a report, so you know huh. Google said that it's you know continuing to discuss data collection concerns with the EU, but. They haven't really offered a lot of details. Is it your belief that we are going to see this develop into something a little bit more than than just a report at this point? Uh, it could be. Uh, but at this point, it's really tough to speculate. Because right now, the EU is really just collecting information. We don't know if it will actually evolve into a full-blown investigation. How much then potentially does what is going on here in the United States on Capitol Hill surrounding Google potentially impact what we are seeing over in Europe as well. It's unclear. The EU has operated fairly independently of uh, you know other outside investigations. So I don't know if anything that happens here has an influence on the EU uh, or vice versa. 
We're joined by uh, Roger Chang, who's the executive editor at CNET. We're talking about the tech stories that you may have missed uh, during the week. Uh, we're talking right about Google, who is once again dealing with uh, with uh, re- with EU regulators on a variety of different questions. But but I guess the other part to this, from Europe's perspective, Roger, is the fact that. To a degree, they are still kind of going through the process of the implementation of GDPR. Obviously, it is mm-hmm. it is in place, but they are still also trying to, I, I guess, work through some of the bugs as well. Right, and look, this is it's a it's a complicated bit of regulation. Uh, you know, it's forced a lot of companies to jump through a lot of different hoops to to make sure they're they're compliant with the regulation. So, yeah, you're going to see hiccups initially, but that's that's usually how these things go. And more and more hiccups with uh, with with the EU in terms of kind of implementing this. But as the technology develops, as we move ahead here, it, you're you're going to it's a constant process of change. The rules may be one thing now, but they may be have to be certainly another thing in about five years. Yeah, and I think that's the real dilemma here is that uh, regulators tend to move a lot slower than Silicon Valley companies, uh, and and so the the regulations oftentimes don't quite catch up with the the advancement in technology with really the 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 Pandora's box that keeps getting opened with new each new technological development you know, regulators are usually several steps behind Roger thanks very much for your time greatly appreciate it all the best to you thanks for having me Roger Chang executive editor at CNET to keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu